0: This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats Podcast. Life Beats. Life beats
1: with Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. Sabah al and welcome to the second Hour of Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. A very exciting exhibition is about to open at 1971 Design Space. They're showcasing the first institutional solo exhibition, GEO, of the Irish UAE-based ceramicist Michael Rice. It addresses the materiality of the earth and experimenting with light, For the first time, Michael Rice is exhibiting newly created works based on porcelain and emphasising their translucency through light. I love the sound of that. We're going to be meeting the artist, talking about how he creates such beautiful pieces with ancient traditions that are out of this world, contemporary, amazing. That is next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95.
0: You're listening to the Life Beats podcast.
1: Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on
0: Pulse 95. 95.
1: A very exciting exhibition is about to open. This is Geo, Earth and its Materiality in Ceramics. In the ceramics, of michael rice it's an exhibition that is opening this saturday the 23rd of february at 1971 design space and with me in the studio is the artist himself michael welcome to life beats
0: good morning sally how are you doing
1: really great to have you now your work is
0: stunning Thank you.
1: Let's just start from there. Uh, You are, in fact, a ceramicist, somebody who has been... How long have you been working in this field? 20 years, did you say? Um,
0: I did my degree in Belfast starting in in 1993. Well. So it's been a while. while.
1: And this is one of those ancient arts that requires mastery. Um, but you've taken it to a whole nother level which we'll get to in a minute I want to know all about your amazing creative process mm. you have to check out Michael Rice on Instagram uh, and what he's been up to in the lead up to this beautiful exhibition so but just uh, let's start with the, the exhibition name GEO
0: GEO yeah GEO is a, is a prefix of many words geography, geology, um, geographic um, so GEO is Greek for earth so as a ceramicist, I'm dealing with clay and I'm dealing with materials which are from the earth. So I'm also, to a degree, making geometry from geology. Beautiful. So it seemed wholly appropriate and I've uh, it just seemed like it was a great title for the show.
1: It almost links back as well to, um, you know islamic design and the geometry that happens there exactly and the inspiration that we take from nature mm. to create geometric patterns
0: absolutely and i've certainly been interested since i've been living in the, in the region for the last 10 years i've certainly been more interested in geometry than i ever have before because i see it everywhere and yeah. um, so it's it's definitely become more uh, an interest to me
1: there are so many different things uh, that This particular exhibition and your work is uh, very much inspired by including beauty, form, texture, harmony, symmetry, patterns, in fact, and tessellation, uh, as well as chaos. Uh, Take us through your creative process and and what inspires you?
0: Well, it all starts off with a sort of idea of praxis and praxis is is learning by doing. Yes. So you do something um, and then you you get it. It's like a call and response or a question and an answer. So you, you don't exactly know what you're going to do, but you, you take an action and you get an answer. And then the next question um, is to the left or the right of the answer you had, and then you get another answer. And so it's like this cyclical process where you do something and then you get a reaction and then you find something out. And then it's a, it's a way of getting answers to question questions that you can't really formulate.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly, because there are all these concepts that you're exploring mm. and then they take on this tangible form within your ceramics. Mm. Tell me about why you wanted to become a ceramicist in the first place.
0: I remember doing, I did a foundation degree in Belfast. And I remember when we saw, there was a a group of us all saw the uh, ceramic professor on the wheel. And we were first on the wheel and it was like, oh, wow, right, we've got to master this. Because when you get on the wheel. It looks cool. It looks cool. And it looks easy somebody who does it well makes it look really slick and really easy and then you get on it and you go oh no this is really hard how did you make that look so easy (laughs) and um so that is really compelling and then you you think okay i've got to master this i've got to get good at this and to do that takes a long time and it takes a real commitment and that's the thing about ceramics it's a real um when i'm talking to other artists say if you're a conceptual artist or you're working with ideas you can you know you, for ceramics you need a real commitment it's like monogamy you have to be monogamous to the material completely. you can't you can't do anything else because um it it just requires so much of your attention
1: yeah completely. Mm. and and um that skill how long did it take you kind of to master the whole skill of well still learning so yeah. i still
0: learning all the time and um you know what is it they say uh, there's a great phrase um an expert is just somebody who's made all the mistakes there is to make did so you- do you
1: have to go and like learn with masters, or how well, you do I
0: it? yeah, I I taught, I I, went, uh, I did my degree in Belfast, and one of my uh, tutors was Takashi Yasuda, and Takashi Yasuda is a Japanese potter who's incredibly famous, and Takashi would say things. I remember taking work to him, and he would say things like, um, I would say Takashi, how do I make this better? And he would say, Well, make a thousand more. And it'll be way better. And I would say to him, I would look incredulous and say a thousand. But what he meant was just do a lot of this. Do, you know, spend a week, take a week and do nothing but make this and you'll become really good at it. And he was absolutely right. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of learning by repetition. Yes. Uh, you can't you can't shortcut things. No. I mean, you can have ta- you need talent to begin with. But um, perseverance will always beat talent because you, you especially in ceramics, you just need to keep pushing it because the kiln will find you out. When you fire something, if it doesn't, if you didn't do it properly, you open it up and it's wrong. Yeah. That's just it. And there's you've no spent
1: w- like hours and hours yeah. and hours of making this thing and firing it, not, not knowing what's yeah. going to come out. And then if you've done it all wrong,
0: it's a disaster. It's done. And there's no way to mitigate that. <laughs> you have to get it right. It's, it's the, the kiln finds you out.
1: Oh, the patience. Yeah, it that requires. You
0: need. And I'm not known for my patience. <laughs> <laughs> but but apparently, it, it must be there somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. It
1: definitely must be there somewhere. Um, so, uh, take us through th- some of the pieces that uh, you've created for this particular exhibition.
0: Okay, so as you mentioned, some of the work has been created in porcelain. And porcelain is a fascinating material. Um, Marco Polo introduced porlo- porcelain from China. Nobody knows quite when, but it, it turned up in Europe in the sort of 1600s. And Europe basically went crazy for porcelain. It was called white gold and um, because it was incredibly lucrative. All the European aristocracy wanted this because they had previously been using stoneware. And the difference between porcelain and stoneware is that when you hold porcelain up to the light, it's translucent.
1: Wow, I didn't and know that.
0: Yeah, it's translucent. And the reason is... Everybody knows this now. They didn't know this in 1600. The reason why porcelain is translucent is because it's 50% glass. So when you make a clay, when you, you can make your own clay bodies and they're composed of different materials. And mostly, there's a little bit of glass in them usually, mm. but porcelain has 50% glass. And so when uh, European traders went back to Jingdezhen in China and said, wow, everybody's interested in this. What is this stuff? The Chinese said, we're not going to tell you. We're going to sell you this. OK, so that sparked like hundreds of years of innovation in Europe, all these potters crazily trying to figure out what this stuff is, because this is this is the you know, we can make a lot of money if we know how to do this. So one of the things they created was bone china and bone china is actually a really superior type of porcelain. It's, it's completely an invention of the West. It is, if you've ever burned your fingernails or burned your hair, there's a very specific smell. Right. And that is because there's glass in your fingernails and in your hair, a little tiny deposits of silica. And so potters realized if we take bones and burn them, uh, we get bone ash. And bone ash is very high in silica. So they mixed bone ash with white clay and made bone china. So bone china is made from bones. So they took massive, they went to slaughterhouses and got tons, literally tons, literal tons of bones and burned them and made bone ash. And they introduced that to the clay to make bone china.
1: That is, I had no idea of. Yeah, this is where Yeah, it's kind of disgustingly from. crazy. But that's fantastic. Yeah. We're going to come back with you, uh, Michael, in just a moment. Uh, I want to learn more uh, about this and, and the amazing uh, techniques that you use when you're firing as well to produce those uh, effects that you do, fantastic effects uh, on your work. More to come with Michael Rice right after this.
0: This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast.
1: Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. 95. It is Life Beats and we are talking to the Irish artist based here in the UAE, Michael Rice, as he is about to open his exhibition this Saturday February 23rd, called Geo Earth and its Materiality in the Ceramics of Michael Rice. Now, um, Michael, are you excited for the opening of the exhibition?
0: Very excited. And there's going to be uh, a throwing demonstration as well. Yes. So, oh, my
1: gosh. Fantastic. Yeah. I love it.
0: So I'll be I'll be on the wheel um, trying to make it look good, <laughs> trying to make it look easy. Is um, it going to be
1: like the ghost scene or uh,
0: not quite? Not quite. Yeah, I'll be certainly throwing. There'll be no ghosts. <laughs> But yeah, oh, hopefully no. not.
1: It's just, it just made it like iconic. I don't know that that particular people thing always
0: like, said still people say that. Right. Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness. But that's fantastic. So are you going to be like creating in front of people? Because that's magical. That process. Yeah. When I you're mean, throwing clay. Wow. Yes.
0: That's, that's it. I mean, it's, it's all about the process. So I will be, I mean, it'll be, it'll be, a, it'll only last for 15 minutes, but, and the process usually is, so you would, you would throw something um, and depending on the height, you might throw it in sections. So you might throw a section and then you throw another section and then dry them off and then join them, Um, depending on how high you want it to be. But um, the work in the show is not just thrown. It's also um, what's a process known as slip casting. And slip casting is where you take a liquid clay and you pour it into a mold. And then you let it sit for a specific uh, amount of time, maybe half an hour. Mm. And then you pour it out. And the, the mold is plaster, so it's super absorbent. So it sucks the clay to the side of the wall and creates like a skin of clay. And then you pour the excess out. And then after an hour that it sits in the mold, you can remove it. And it's like a, a little um, clay object. Oh, wow. um, so interestingly as well, one of the things I've been doing of late is... Uh, creating, um, because it, it's it's interesting, ceramics is very, it's very ancient technology, so yes. to speak, but I have been using computers to create designs and then 3D printing objects and then making plaster molds from them and then making ceramic objects from them. And then so there's a real sort of um, high tech lo-fi aspect to the whole thing there's a there's a sort of nice balance yeah um so that's that's something that you can see in the show and some of the works um i was talking earlier on about porcelain some of the of the pieces that have been slip cast have been slip cast in porcelain beautiful and so they have light behind them but again porcelain is is a very tricky substance to use because as i mentioned it's 50% glass so to get it to become translucent you have to activate the glass so you have to get it to the glass's melting point and that's like about 1,250 degrees. But that's also at the point when it's least stable. And porcelain has this specific quality that it, it has what's called a memory. And if you have it in a shape and then alter that shape, it wants to get back to the first shape. And it does that at the highest temperature. Wow. So you have to account for the, the movement in the firing. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of problems and a lot of, a lot of potential failure when you start. So you have to you have to prepare yourself when you when you start any new process. It's like learning a new computer program. Like I'm familiar with Photoshop, but if I go to learn another Adobe, I understand the interface, I understand the basics of it, but I don't have a clue about the program and I have to start learning everything again. That's amazing. So you're always doing these learning curves. And when you when you start something new.
1: That is uh, amazing. I love, you know, learning that about what you think is actually um, an inanimate object, and it is, um, but it's, you're talking about something that's got a memory in it, the, the way it moves and the science behind it. Mm. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah. Um, one of the other uh, processes that you'll see on display in the in the, in the the work is, um, a lot of the work is raku fired. And raku yeah. is a, a Japanese word that means enjoyment. Mm-mm. And um it's a, it's a it's a chaotic process and um, it's it's where you, you all ceramics are initially made and dried and then fired once. And they're fired up to what's called biscuit temperature. And that's a thousand degrees. And then I'm
1: imagining cookies going into the oven at this stage, but no, that's not yeah, what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, well, there wouldn't
0: be very much cookies left <laughs> at a thousand degrees, but yeah. Um, so you, you fire them to a thousand mm. and then you, you take them out and you apply a glaze. And the reason to fire them to a thousand is to make them stable enough to add the glaze because the glaze is full of water, and if you dry ceramic and then put water on it, it becomes very unstable.
1: Because you're taking them out while they're like at the peak, like white well, hot. Well, the,
0: the raku process, first of all, they're fired, and then I take them out, let them cool down normally, and then I apply a glaze to them. Mm. And then I fire them in a raku kiln, and the raku kiln is an outdoor gas kiln. And it has to be outdoor because we, we open the kiln at a thousand degrees. And it's very strange. It's very counterintuitive. You are, a thousand degrees is hot. So, and counterintuitively, you have to walk towards it.
1: How do you even get it that hot?
0: Well, you, you, the kiln is, the, you know, it's a gas kiln. It's insane. Just turn it up. And yeah. then it's <laughs> and
1: on. Like, but a, it, it, yeah.
0: Yeah, it goes very quickly. Mm. You can get it up to a thousand degrees in about an hour. Wow. Yeah. So then the process is you open the door. You have to have protective gauntlets on and a mask and everything else. But you have, and then you have a, a set of tongs and you grab the pieces. And you then take them out, and they're like literally like magma. They're glowing red. And like I say, it's very counterintuitive. You, you can't be thinking about the phone bill or the argument you had with your wife earlier on or whatever it is because you have to be right there. Because if you're not right there, you know, if, you, if anything goes wrong, you have to be very focused. So then you have to take the pieces out and put them into uh, a metallic bin uh, with combustible materials. And then, of course, it goes on fire, and that's how you, you get all the subtle cracks the subtle beautiful lines, which are the memory of the firing. And the, the thing that is important to me about that is that I'm trying to make the work, the form, seem incredibly correct and incredibly um, logical. Yeah. And then I want the surface to be totally random and totally um, intuitive. So I'm looking for that balance of, you mentioned earlier, chaos and order. So it's that it's the controlled and the uncontrolled. When mm. you when you look at um, a river delta, if you see aerial photographs of a river delta, they're just incredibly beautiful. And it's like there's so much. The balance of order and chaos is indivisible. When you look at a. I love going to the desert here. I see the sand dunes. Sand dunes are just so incredibly beautiful. They have this mesmerizing pattern, which and not a grain of sand is out of place, and they're just so perfect in their in both their their sort of, again, their order and their chaos, indivisible. So it's that that sort of point you're trying to get right on the middle of things. You're trying to get that real balance.
1: It's incredible, uh, the the concepts behind all of this, the deep reflection that uh, happens to create these gorgeous pieces. We are in conversation with Michael Rice uh, as he is about to open his exhibition at 1971 Design Space. More to come with Michael after this.
0: This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life beats. Life beats with
1: Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. 95. Wow. It's just it's such a fun conversation with Michael, honestly. Uh, Michael Rice is in the studio. He's an artist, a ceram- ceramicist, if I can get that word out. Um, but, you know, so much more. Wabi-sabi. Wabi-sabi Hang on, hang on. Yeah, can get you up. Yeah,
0: it's this. Uh, it's it's a Japanese concept, <laughs> and it's it's difficult to explain. But it's like the beauty of the ordinary, yeah. and it's like the beauty of a stone or of a shell or of something really molded over time, uh, or the beauty of your grandmother. Yeah. Or it's not. It's the, it's the antithesis of the of the sort of beauty of an iPhone or a Porsche or something that's been designed and and honed in that very sort of. Um, very that,
1: purposefully trying to yes. seduce you, but actually,
0: yes, not as seductive perhaps yeah. as a really beautiful shell, right? That is not trying to seduce you whatsoever, but is just something that is organically—it's it, the—it's the application of time and time and beauty and pressure and organic materials over time, multiplied by time, blah, 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 you know. So you end up with this thing, which is just—you couldn't—it would be very difficult to to create
1: you it it'd be impossible to create mm. in fact yeah. um, but that's the thing it's like seeing that beauty in the simplest possibly most mundane things around you and realizing there's so much wonder mm. in everything which is you know where you get a lot of your inspiration from nature
0: exactly if i could make things as look as good as nature made them i'd be very happy oh that's the you? real that's the real if i can make it look like it's i also i also like the idea of 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 people coming in if if there was some tomb that was unearthed somewhere in the world, that these objects wouldn't look out of place in them, right? So they look like they're artifacts, timeless. But exactly, they look like they're modern artifacts. So so they could they can fit anywhere. They have this timeless quality.
1: They do. They mm-hmm. do. Speaking of nature and timelessness, Malayha.
0: Malaya. Yeah, what an incredible place. I had a visit there, um, and they have it's an archaeological center, mm. and they have um, a museum, and of course there's lots of ceramics. Um, and I was taken to all the various different sites, and there's always ceramic shards on the ground, and um, so I was looking at the at the different uh, profiles of the different ceramics that I saw. And actually, there's a there's a commission um, in the uh, exhibition which is which has all this as a theme. So uh, there's and there's a there's one specific area there. There's a there's a rock formation, and apparently there's been evidence of. Uh, Human beings there for forty thousand years. Yes, which I couldn't. Qu- it's incredible to believe. Um, so yeah, that was an inspiration. That was that was really it was really nice to visit. And apparently, th- that that place is so far out that whenever there's some um, astronomical events, you know, when the when there's. Uh, there was a blood moon not so long ago and there was something else that's the place to see it exactly Uh, because uh, there's no there's no light around
1: it's just stunning it's not disturbed by artificial light exactly from the cities Mm. Uh, it's an incredible incredible place the Maléja Desert but um, something that we absolutely have to talk about is the fact that you are in fact a member of the International Academy of Ceramics
0: Internet IAC yeah um, very
1: exclusive club now
0: yeah it's it's yeah I was thrilled when I became a member it was it was very uh, a career high point yeah. um, to be to become a member you have to be um, nominated by three other members and there's only there's only membership happens every two years um, so how uh, many members
1: are there worldwide
0: there's only currently about four hundred um, but it's a roll call of the best ceramicists living in the world today and m- many of the names you wouldn't know but. Uh, previous members include Mark Chagall and Picasso. So that's the sort of caliber of, of, of artists we're talking Obviously not as, you know, but, but you know they, they, were, they were members. But um, actually Jacques Kaufman, um, who was the president up until very recently, he's actually just become the uh, president emeritus. So he has written the, um, the essay for the exhibition catalogue. Wow. He will be visiting um, in June. And we're going to have a, a conversation and we're going to um, we're going to have an evening with Shaq. So I'm really thrilled that he agreed to do that. That is fantastic. Yeah. That is amazing. We, we very cool.
1: We have to say that this exhibition does go all the way into August. So mm. uh, there is a bit of time to see it. But I would advise everybody to get down to the opening on the 23rd of February, um, be there and uh, meet Michael as well. But it's just um, incredible, incredible work. Uh, some of your favorite pieces from the exhibition that you want people to watch out for?
0: Um, I love them all. I can't, <laughs> it's like uh, picking I, a favorite child. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't. Uh, you know, it, it's very. They're very personal. I mean, there's things about all of them I, I love. I mean, there's there's been when you when you're doing something like this, you have to make more than you're going to show, right. uh, and then you select the best ones. So these are all the ones that I'm really happy with.
1: We we were talking uh, a little bit off air about the way that ceramics are. Alive, you know that um, you could be uh, trying to do things in in one way and whatever, but it kind of almost has its own life and it could do anything, whatever comes out of the kiln.
0: Well, that's it. It's uh, sometimes you're 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 really pleasantly surprised. Yeah. It, m- it might take you a while. I mean, if you're looking for outcome A and you get outcome C, you may initially be disappointed and thinking, oh, but then you realize actually C might have been better than A. So when you're really focused on things, you you miss, you know, sometimes you get a result which is better than the one you're looking for. Amazing. And that, again, can take you in a new direction which you, you hadn't anticipated and can spark a whole new um, element to your practice. So you're it. always looking for those happy accidents.
1: What's the next for you, Mr. Michael Rice?
0: Next for me, well, I have been uh, selected for the Korean Ceramic Biennial, which is also a big deal. And that's happening in uh, September. I also, I'm going uh, in in March, I'm going to speak at Rhode Island School of Design, which is
1: uh, In New York.
0: It's in Providence, which is in, it's just down from Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to speak, I have an invitation to talk at the ceramics department there, which is really cool because it's one of the best art colleges in the world. Amazing. Um, Then there's a lot of stuff happening with this exhibition, but I also then have an exhibition in London, in Throne Gallery in September as well. I forget the dates, that exactly. but
1: That is just phenomenal. And I can see why you're in such demand all over the world, Michael Rice. Uh, Your work is stunning. We're so excited for the exhibition.
0: I have to give a shout out to all the students at AUD and all the faculty and all my friends. I I teach at AUD, American University in Dubai. I'm a professor of studio art and I'm actually the the um, the um, adjunct sorry the adjunct I'm currently the interim chair of the department and <laughs> um, there as well so um, uh, a big shout out to everyone there for their for their love and support always thank you very much AD amazing. and thanks very much to 1971 as well yes Fat Man Rod and Nina they've been amazing
1: yes and uh, we're so excited 6 p.m is going to be the exhibition opening this Saturday as we said February 23rd make sure you are down there uh, come and see Michael uh, come and see him throwing live uh, creating ceramics I, it's just it's mesmerizing i love that process even if you're not doing it yourself watching somebody create is is uh, incredible uh, thank you so much thank for you, so really sharing your story and uh, we can't wait to see your work at the exhibition
0: Thank you very much. Looking forward to the show. Thank you. you. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.